sweet land of liberty, our founding fathers not only pledged, but gave their lives, their fortunes, and their sacred honor to obtain our God-given liberty. Now it's our turn. Liberty can only thrive if it's alive in the hearts of a freedom-loving people. I'm Dan Matthews, and I'm pleased to welcome you to Freedom's Ring. Here's our host and constitutional lawyer and minister, Alan Reinach. Welcome back to Freedom's Ring, my friends. We have a wonderful and very interesting topic for you. Our guest today, Andrew Polk, is Associate Professor of History at Middle University, Tennessee. His book that's about to be released is called Religious Propaganda and the Making of an American Religion. Andrew, thank you so much for being with us on Freedom's Ring today. Thank you so much for having me, Alan. I appreciate it. So I think your thesis runs to something like the current Christian nationalism that we see in our country really has its roots more in the politics of the World War II and Cold War era than it has to do in some kind of religious ideology. But why don't you develop it in your own thought? Sure, that, that's exactly right. Um, there's been a lot of discussion, rightfully so, about Christian nationalism today, about what it means, the influence on the country, this idea that America is at its heart a Christian nation. Um, but when you ever hear about that, there's always other things attached, right? Political issues. So it's not just that America is a Christian nation and therefore, right, the Christian Americans should practice the Beatitudes. It's always harbored with, therefore, America is special, it's guided by God, so we should always have a large standing army to be the most powerful military force in the world. We must have a free economy and socialism is the end of all things, right? They don't seem to quite fit with the idea of America as a Christian nation, and the reason of that is because they were, in some sense, tacked off that this idea that we have of Christian nationalism, of American civil religion, as it's talked about today, is the product of World War II and the early Cold War. FDR, Truman, and Eisenhower wanted to unite the country, and they decided to use religion to do it, and most specifically use what one of Eisenhower's aides called religiously motivated action in the political realm. Well, you know, it should be obvious to anybody who actually takes the teachings of Jesus seriously that what we mean by America as a Christian nation really has little to do with the Beatitudes. It's not about love your neighbor. It's not beating your swords into plowshares, you know, or loving your enemy or any of that. Uh, it's something completely different. And I always thought it was simply an extension of kind of the Puritan ethos. But you've documented in your book how advertising was marshaled and the support of the American military endeavors in World War II, and, and especially, I think, in the Cold War, sort of, uh, you know, godly America against godless communism effort. Why don't you talk about that for a minute? Yeah, that's right. This certainly, in this time period, isn't the beginning of the idea of America as a Christian nation or that influence of civil religion. That, that's been there since before the revolution and the founding. But it's traditionally been kind of uh, an amorphous social force, even a political force. The idea that especially American Protestantism is the guiding uh, light of America and God's destiny is driving America forward. What happened here in World War II with, with FDR, really before America entered the war, and especially, as you said, it increased during the Cold War, uh, is that that FDR, Truman, and Eisenhower all thought that, that America had to be united. One, be united with FDR to get into the war, uh, be united to win the war, 
and then be united after the war to create the new world that they thought had to be had to come. And that included a large standing army, which traditionally had always been an athlete. It was the largest threat to American democracies beforehand. Uh, but Truman decided, well, that's not the way the world is. And when they tried to figure out how do you bring all America, the diversity of America together to rally them for specific purposes, they decided can't use class, you can't use race, you can't use ethnicity. But religion you can use because all Americans are either Catholics, Protestants, or Jews, and really it's all the same thing, right? And these are, of course, it's not theologically sound, but it makes sense for their purposes. So they said, we're all the same with this. And then to, to sell that, to convince Americans, they explicitly use propagandists, the Advertising Council, the Office of War Information, the Psychological Strategy Board, United States Information Agency, explicitly propagandists to convince Americans that this is who we are. The Probably the most famous phrase that people may not come from this is the Advertising Council in 1949 created a massive campaign called Religion in American Life. And the phrase that they continuously pump throughout the American culture is families that pray together, stay together. Right. Great thought. Right. We've heard that. We've repeated that. But there was a purpose to that. That's right. Go to your church or synagogue of your choice and defend the American idea. Right. That This is a political move more than it was by far more than a theological move. In your book, you talk about our faith in freedom yeah. and about how one of the pillars of this whole approach to civil religion, to uniting America and using religion to unite America was a pillar of religious freedom. But it wasn't the traditional Protestant view of religious freedom was strongly protective of the separation of church and state. This was a different concept of religious freedom, wasn't it? That's right. Absolutely. It was bandied about. We, we have this documentation. The, the clearest one is there was a, a joint venture in 1947 with the, the Advertising Council and a group called the American Heritage Foundation. They created something called the Freedom Train, which was an actual train that went across the country. Uh, it had uh, a bunch of historical documents. It had the base psalm book. It had uh, copies of the Constitution. But they would also have what were called patriotic revival meetings everywhere they went. And the organizers debated this. The Attorney General Tom Clark, uh, he originally proposed that the definition of America, because that's exactly what they're trying to do, define America for Americans, that that should be either liberty or equality. And the other organizers, especially the Advertising Council, which was working for the government at the time, said, no, 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 you can't use liberty or equality. It has too many bad connotations. People, It's too divisive in the American South. So they decided freedom was better, specifically because freedom is so vague. No one dislikes freedom. No one's going to be like, yeah, I'll, I'll take it someday. Everyone loves freedom, but it means a thousand different things to a thousand different people. And they figured out rhetorically they could combine them. Right, that the core of America is freedom, especially religious freedom, contra the godless communists, but also free markets versus the godless communists that must be protected always by a large military. And that that became the resounding combination between those. And to talk about anything critical of America, most especially racial justice, would be to, to aid America's enemies. And so freedom of religion becomes not a separation of church and state, not the ability for people to, 
to be guided by their own conscience, but specifically to be patriotic Americans, to be religiously free is to be pro-America as the people were defining it at the time. So, you know, I'm thinking about our listening audience who tend to be Christian conservatives, Mm -hmm. Protestant and Catholic, I would think, and for whom the very values that the advertising council was selling are going to ring true, right? Because Americans today typically do embrace religious freedom. They embrace, you know, our sort of free market. I mean, it's not a free market, but that's another whole topic. But the concept, anyway, the, the myth of a free market and capitalism and, of course, you know, our military strength and, and our global influence and all of that, you know, we tend to support that. So, you know, is there a so what here? You know, okay, so, you know, we have this story where secular advertisers uh, manipulated the American ethos and created kind of this the sense of America that we mostly we all buy into these days. Yes. Uh, and we say, hey, this is what we believe. This is right. We don't realize where it came from. Is there a so what here? Yeah, I think the so what is is not just recognizing that that happened, but the questioning of how how is that all still entangled in our minds, right? That there is fundamentally a difference between this way that we talk about a a Christian America, which seems to always be explained in primarily political terms, right? It's it's usually from a political perspective that that is is different, I would argue, from my own faith perspective, fundamentally different than the understanding of the way Jesus talked about the kingdom of God and the way the disciples were supposed to move and work on the earth. Uh, Relations to power, relations to money, the things that we value, that the way that we have conceived of this in an American religion of, of faith and freedom, as, as Roosevelt and Truman and Eisenhower all called it, is, is something different uh, than the faith of Jesus in Jesus Christ and of Jesus Christ. And, and that that matters, that we have to spend some time disentangling those things because they don't naturally go together. They don't theologically go together. And the Gospels go together. Uh, so it matters that that we put them together in ways that we often don't think about. It strikes me that, you know, the so what is the extent to which religion itself, and especially the Christian faith, has been manipulated for political purposes. Yeah. You know, I have no argument with anybody's politics. Mm-hmm. You know, nobody has to believe politically the way I do. I do cherish very much an authentic Christian faith and a biblically authentic faith. And I resent deeply the manipulation of religious language and religious ideas for political purposes. And I think, you know, that's maybe where the so what is. It's not so much on changing people's ideas about America or about politics, but understanding the dangers of political manipulation of religion. That's exactly right. And not just what was done, but what is still happening, right? That this is, the legacies of this still present themselves constantly, and people are still trying to do this. Uh, and it matters to people of faith. It should. You know, uh, in, in your article in Liberty Magazine, I should put a plug in uh, for Liberty Magazine, and you can find that online, folks, at libertymagazine.org, and please do support it. But your article, Andrew, points out that Donald Trump 
was very successful at tapping into all of this. And again, you know, my point here is is not to take aim at Trump one way or the other, but simply to point out, again, we have tremendous manipulation of religion for political purposes. That's right. Yeah. Again, I think you're exactly right. And I would agree with you completely. This isn't to change people's political opinions or have those arguments, but those are our understanding is an extension of the way that we view the world, right? For people of faith, the way our faith translates into a very messy world. But there's a difference between that messiness and this idea of a very neatly packaged idea that this is what America is, this is who you are, and you cannot go beyond these boundaries. That this is how all people of faith, religious Americans must be. That in itself is a ridiculous idea. So I think it's important that we look out for this because it matters. It matters going forward. Well, I'm going to border on heresy here because, uh, you know, one of the uh, corollaries to what you're saying is the extent to which we've heard that capitalism is biblical. Yeah. Right. And in fact, you know, the first economic arrangements of the disciples of Jesus was a very communitarian, socialist, you know, Mm -hmm. uh, one for all and sharing everything in common kind of economy that Americans do not accept these days, right? But there just is no biblical precedence. And I'm not saying capitalism is good or bad. I'm just saying there's nothing biblical anyway. So you see the conflation of religion, which is your, your whole point. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we've been having a wonderful conversation today with Professor Andrew Paul from Middle Tennessee University. His book, Religious Propaganda and the Making of an American Religion, it's due to be released by the time this radio show airs. So look for it on Amazon or wherever you get your books. Very interesting discussion about where our current sort of religious political alignments were developed during World War II and the Cold War era for political purposes. Andrew, thanks for being with us on Freedom's Ring today. Thank you so much, Alan. Appreciate it. This has been Freedom's Ring. I'm your host, Alan Reinach. Until next week, let freedom ring.